Welcome to Criminal Perspective. I'm Chris. I'm Andrew. On this episode, we have a very special Survivor's Perspective with one of my favorite rappers from one of my favorite rap groups ever. So I was super excited. We have Busy Bone, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, it is fucking awesome. So Andrew, why don't you explain why we have Busy Bone on Criminal Perspective? Because I'm sure some people are wondering. And it's not because he's some notorious murderer. (laughs) It's uh, he was actually remember, this is this is a survivor's perspective. So what brings busy bone to us? I'm one of those people that didn't know about it up until recently. And I was like, holy shit. And I feel bad for that because I love bone thugs and I've seen them like four times. And I never knew that about busy bone when busy bone. Brian was just four years old. Him and his two sisters were abducted by their mother's boyfriend while their mother was at work. They were held captive for close to two years. At some point during that time, Busy Bone was abused. Yeah, it's pretty extraordinary what he's been through, and it's really cool for him to come on and talk about it with us and uh, go into detail about it. I knew about this. Don't ask me how. I I know all sorts of weird stuff, but I, I knew about this, and this is why I came to you and was like, hey, let's get Busy Bone on and... When we started promoting this, a lot of people didn't know about this. Yeah, I didn't know about it. And I was just like, holy shit, that's insane or really sad because that happens to a lot of kids that nobody knows about thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. He was one of the ones who was recovered. It's a pretty happy ending, one would say. I mean, not only was he recovered and returned home, but he went on to become insanely worldwide successful. So. Joining us now is Brian McCain the second, better known as the rapper Busy Bone. Busy, how are you, man? I oh, man, life is good. Man. Life is really good. Just got married. Um, just got off the honeymoon. Um, Ninety City tour coming up this year. Back in the studio. Just back to business. Feeling really, really good. Coming up off a successful year, 2019, with the billboards. I feel all kind of good stuff. So just really good spirits, really good vibes. Everything just come around full circle. That's awesome. Congratulations, man. We're glad that you're doing good and there's so many great things going on with you currently. So to kind of just jump into things, we brought you on the show because you're a survivor of a childhood abduction. In 1980, you were kidnapped and you were held captive for two years before you were found. Can you tell us what happened regarding that situation? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I was abducted, found by John Walsh um, from America's Most Wanted working heavily with um, the Columbus Police Department, the FBI, and a few different other organizations to get me back home. I um, was gone for about 15, 16 months. My name got changed. was told my mom was dead. My grandparents were dead. And, you know, just really a something that you don't forget, even though you were, even though it was an early time in my life. So... It was just something that has always stuck with me that I felt I was able to persevere through and, you know, at times would be not an excuse per se, but a reason why maybe I would take an extra drink. Yeah. You know, instead of, okay, we're done. We're good and tipsy. We're done. So, yeah, so it's followed me my entire life, and. I I, uh, started speaking about it so I could help other people. 
I hate to be so personal, but is this an experience that you can never truly overcome or is this something that you've fully healed from? I, I think it's an experience that you can get over or you can use it as an excuse or a crutch to pattern your life. You know, as I'm, I really, I look at it like if you're not a, um, a slothful person, then there's nothing that could break you down to the point to where it's an excuse to not be successful or have all your, you know, your, your, where your wherewith about you, but it definitely follows you. It's something you think about. It's something that you get over. It's something you heal from. I've been to counseling as a kid, you know, for it. And, um, it, it, it's a process. It's definitely a healing process. Yeah, I can imagine it's a very heavy thing to have to deal with. Uh, in your case, you weren't abducted by a stranger. You were abducted by someone you knew. I believe it was your mother's boyfriend or your stepfather. Can you clear that up? Yes, 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 definitely. And and um, later found out that he happened to be my actual father, but my mother didn't like the kind of person that he was. So she hid that fact from me up until the point where I was 39 years old. And then she wow. sat me down and talked to me and, you know, just let me know what was going on. But I've already, I'd already kind of surpassed being, you know, um, self-conscious about who my father may have been or who he may not have been. And, you know, so I was, I've already gotten over that because, you know, I got grandkids. I had my first child when I was 14, 15 years old. So, you know, I I had already gotten past that. I felt like since I didn't have a father or didn't know who my father was, that I would become a father myself. And I did it at such an early age that 15 years old, now I got grandkids. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, yeah, that's that's what happened. Were you ever able to find out his reasoning for abducting you and your siblings? Um, it was a lot of drama going on between himself and my mom. And it, you know, it started out to just be vindictive. And um, there's like a whole story behind it. Like, we were always like, because my mom was the earner in the household. And my father, he used to play football for the Pittsburgh Steelers, New York Giants. Um, and a couple of, uh, semi-pro teams. So he, that's where he was, that's where his checks was coming in from. So we were always moving with him while my mom was at work. She would always come home. And the big threat was, I'm taking your kids. You know what I'm saying? So this was the thing yeah. that they went back and forth on up until the point to where they had a huge, huge fight. Um, about cheating or some shit and and it just blew up into 15, 15 months or 16, 17 months of antagonizing each other up until the point to where the FBI got involved and a couple other people got involved. It was It was crazy because by my mom being a Caucasian woman and my father being black, they really didn't want to help her. They was like, that's what you get for sleeping with that nigga. And it was a lot of racism back in them days. You know what I'm saying? The early 80s was hella racism. Yeah. So, you know, so just had to cut through all that red tape. Finally, 
she met Adam Walsh. She was not Adam Walsh. Um, she met John Walsh, and he was looking for his son, Adam Walsh. And he put a special out on ABC, and he asked, could he use our picture, at, uh, use my picture at the end? And a babysitter in Oklahoma on a reservation, we was living on a reservation. Our names changed and everything. And um, she seen it, and she was just like, she called the popo and came up to the school and snatched us out and took us home, took us to our mom. Yeah, so during this time, you were a missing person, which is already traumatic enough. You were a victim of childhood abuse. Would you be willing to share with us about that? Definitely. When dealing with, you know, dealing with my father, like he was, he was always having us in the poorest parts of Cleveland and the poorest parts of any particular city around the most unsavory people. And, you know, he had this thing where he would help homeless people. He would help people like drug addicts and people that were down and out and, and just needed a helping hand. And in the course of that, you run into people that are fucked up. You know what I'm saying? That are just fucked up people. And you can't keep your eyes on everybody that you just dropping your kids off with. And you eventually, you know, you find people that, you know what I'm saying, take advantage of children. And by me being a little light-skinned boy, you can just imagine how many vultures were around. So it, that was the situation. You know what I'm saying? Bringing me around people that meant me no, no, no good. You know what I'm saying? Try to get you to explore your body. And I ain't trying to be too graphic. This ain't, this ain't fucking baby porn or no shit like that. But just yeah. the wrong kind of people trying to teach a child the wrong kind of things. So when you were ultimately rescued, you clung tight to your alias and it took a lot of prying for them to get you to admit your actual identity. Had you been, uh, for lack of a better term, brainwashed at this point? I mean, when you're young, shit, you're four or five years old, you know, that's really all you know. You only know what somebody tell you, you know. Um, so you really only know what somebody tell you and when your father or someone who you thought was your, because I thought the guy was my father. And then when my, I got back, my mom was like, no, he wasn't. And then when I turned 39, she was like, yeah, he was. So, you know, that was a whole roller coaster within itself. But, um, yeah, it's like you being told, don't talk to the police, don't constantly hiding from the police. They had almost got to us several times. Like there was so many times that they were inches away from us. Like they was on the street that we were on and we hiding in, in, in the van under a bunch of clothes. So they was hot on our fucking trail from Jump Street. The FBI was not playing. <laughs> they was trying to find the motherfuckers, though. <laughs> Anywho, so, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, I think it was just being implemented. Don't talk to the popo. Don't, don't tell them shit, you know. And then it took a minute. My sisters were there. They're like, nah, mom is alive. I'm like, what? Mom alive? And then that's when it was like, okay, yeah, that's who this kid is. Wow. So now you're returned to your mother. And at this point, your mother is in 
yet another abusive relationship. So after all you've endured, you now have more to endure. Did it ever feel hopeless at any point? I think at certain points I, I was, but everything happened when I was so young. You got to remember, I met Easy e when I was 16, 15, 16 years old. And from that point on, I've been Busy Bone, the rapper, the superstar rapper. So, like, just to kind of bring you through it, um, got home. She was some dude that ain't cool. Um, we wind up in foster homes um, about two or three years. I go back. Um, with my mom, my sisters get split up and go to Cleveland and link back up. Um, and then at around 14 years old, I ran away. So I went back to the old foster home that I was in. So around 15, 16, I moved down to Cleveland with my sister. Well, 15, excuse me, 14, actually. I moved down to Cleveland with my sisters. And then when I was 15 years old, the group that I was in, we took one-way bus tickets to Los Angeles, and it was just, you know what I'm saying, do or die. We either going to make it out here or we ain't. And that's when I met Easy e and it's the story been, been a fairy tale ever since. But, I, you know, there were times I felt a sense of hopelessness, but it's difficult as a man to identify with that because I was so young. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like when you 13 or you 12 or you 11 or you 10 and you feel in a sense of hopelessness, your mind hasn't fully matured no goddamn way. You know what I mean? Like you ain't really, you're still a kid. So to identify with those things, it just, it just feels different because I'm an adult and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an adult now. So I, I under, and I have children I understand how underdeveloped my uh, my mind was at that time. So, so having gone through all these intense experiences, you were still able to become astronomically successful. What would you say to somebody who's gone through victimization or traumatic experiences at the hands of another and they're struggling with it? What would you say to them to to maybe lend some help or guidance from from someone who's been there? I mean, first, my thing would be their age group. It would be, when did they go through it? And that would determine how I would address it. But just on an even level, I always, I bring God into the picture. I always bring spirituality into the picture. I always bring religion into the picture. I always bring that to the table because it's what has always guided me through. God is always just knowing that there's a God that exists. Um, it has always brought me through all situations. I'm a big prayer. Like I'm a, I'm a big, I pray. Um, I'm, I'm heavy on that. And that would be one thing I would say. The second thing I would say for sure is deal with your mental health. Um, counseling recognize that there's a problem and recognize that there are professionals licensed to help. So it would be a two part, it would be a two part thing with me. My first thing would be of course, religion. And my second thing would be mental health. 
Well, Busy, thanks for coming on and sharing your remarkable story with us. We find your insight invaluable. And regardless of all the success you've already achieved, we wish you so much more success and happiness in your future. Hey, well, look, let me tell you guys, man, I really, really appreciate you guys. Don't forget to tell the people. Check me out on um, Instagram at M-R-M-C-C-A-N-E with more inspirational quotes and fun and crazy mess and uh, Facebook, I Am Busy Bone. Um, I just put a record out uh, called Carbon Monoxide. Make sure you iTunes it. Make sure you stream it. It's one of the best records of my career. They're calling it a classic. And uh, I appreciate you. Got Jam TV. Also, tune in to Jam TV and check out my answer on the Boneless Thugs and Harmony name change. And, hey, man, all my videos are up there and everything. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you guys for everything. So that was Busybone talking about his experiences being abducted and held captive as a child. Uh, I've known about this for a while, and I, I've done some research on it. And Andrew, when you found out about this, you did a bit of research, and neither one of us found online or knew that that was his biological father that had kidnapped him, and he didn't know that until he was 39 years old. That was pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, that that blew my mind. When he said that, I was just like, holy fuck that's to find out that not only are your mom and grandma not not dead you find out your the mom's boyfriend is your father that's got to be kind of a shell shock decades later and it's always going to be crazy when you hear a story where you were kidnapped and abused and located by authorities and rescued and returned and then later on in the story you hear somebody say and that's when i met easy e <laughs> i was focused in and everything and everything he was saying then soon as he said that i was like damn <laughs> i grew up on easy nwa snoop dog all them so i was like holy shit that's awesome it's pretty nuts when you hear a story like that and just really drives home who you're talking to and what they've been through in life and it's just it's it's very remarkable. So uh yeah, thank you to Busybone again. Everybody head over to patreon.com slash criminal perspective, sign up for our weekly classified episodes. You get an extra weekly episode for two ninety nine a month. It's totally worth it. Andrew, do you have any last words? Go cop that carbon monoxide album now. 